And welcome to the Board Game Dojo's 2023 Holiday Gift Guide, where we're going to give you over 50 unique games, some from Asia, some not, so that you can succeed this holiday season. In order to make this gift guide the most helpful to you, we initiated two rules for the games we chose. One, it has to be available. And if they're imported games, they have to be available and be able to get to you by the time the holidays roll around. The second rule is that it can't be an exorbitant price to acquire. For example, we don't want to give you a $20 game as our list is today, but then the import fee is $60. That kind of just defeats the point. Luckily, compared to last year, those rules are a lot easier to follow this year as many stores either got an imported game section or expanded an already present imported game selection. Just to name a few, I know in the US you have Tricky Imports and CloudCap Games, and in the UK and Europe you have TravelGames.co.uk, who happen to be our sponsor for this video series. Not only do travel games have a nice selection of travel games that makes nice stocking stuffers, as the name implies, but partially because they're a co-host of the Board Game Dojo podcast and I work for them as a translator, they have a great selection of positively reviewed games from our channel, but they just have a really nice selection of hard to acquire imported games as well. Now they didn't get to select any of the games on this list, but if any of the games that we have on our list happen to be in stock there, we'll put the links to those in the show description. Don't worry, we don't make any money for you clicking on those links. It's just helpful, we thought. So with that out of the way, let's get to today's video, which is 10 games under $25. Now for each of these categories, we are going to pick an imported selection and a non-imported selection. And let's begin with two player games. Our import recommendation is Let's Make a Bus Route the Dice Game. Let's Make a Bus Route the Dice Game is the two player roll and write version of its bigger sibling Let's Make a Bus Route, which you might know from its yellow published name, Get On Board. Both games have you working as a bus driver, trying to make the best routes and drop passengers off where they want to go. The tourists want to go to the tourist destinations, the students want to get to the university, and so on. The roll and write version has you making difficult decisions of which way to expand your route, not trying to cross back on yourselves, but also maybe just maybe using those dice to get some bonuses to help you out on a future turn. Not only do we like the decision space of this game, but with an amazing production that has a dice tray built into the lid of the box, and at half the price of its bigger sibling, we actually much prefer the dice game version of Let's Make a Bus Route at two players. And that is why it is our import recommendation at two players. Our non-import recommendation at two players is Mandala. Mandalas are, in spirituality, a meditative thing, but this game is, well, it's a pleasantly stressful thing that has you trying to score different colors as you put them out onto different mandalas. The later on in the game you score the first of that color, the more points each one of those colors becomes. Now, you're going to be playing these different colored cards that you have in your hand to one of the two mandalas. Not only is the timing a consideration, but the location of your cards is important in deciding whether or not you're gonna score more points. If you put it in the shared region of the mandala, both players are going to get to pick the color cards from that area once that mandala is full, which means that you might lose the color that you wanted to score. But on the other hand, you get to draw more cards into your hand that will later become points. However, 
You can also try to block your opponent by putting it in your kind of selfish private area of your mandala, and this will block your opponent from scoring those points that they desperately need, but at the same time, you don't get to draw as many cards from the draw pile, and that's going to be less points for you. These little agonizing decisions, all in a package that takes about 10 to 15 minutes to play, is why it was one of our top 10 two-player games of all times, and we highly recommend it. Moving on from our two-player recommendations, let's go to the family games, and our imported recommendation is Yura Yura Penguin. Yura Yura Penguin is an adorable combination of Jenga, Uno, and Penguin Meeples. You'll be building up a tower made up of flimsy cards, icebergs, and those cute penguin meeples that I just mentioned. And on those flimsy cards will be things that you might recognize from Uno, like making the next player draw two or skipping the next player's turn. But they have other actions on them as well, like putting a penguin onto the tower or putting icebergs onto the tower. Your goal is to get rid of all of your cards first, but the other way to win is when that tower inevitably falls over, then you want to be the player with the least amount of cards left in your hand. We've had luck with this game of kids with all ages, even 30-year-old kids. We think it's partially because it's a combination of games that people already know how to play, like Uno and Jenga, but it also comes together in a well-produced package and at an affordable price point. There's a reason that this was actually the first video we ever did at the Board Game Dojo, and even now we are still recommending it to people as a great holiday gift. Now, our non-import recommendation is a bit more of a divisive one, and that is Challengers. Like our Yoda Yoda Penguin recommendation, Challengers brings in a rule set of a game that people probably already know, War. Not the fighty-fighty war game, but the game in which two players flip over a card from the top of their stack, and whoever has the highest value wins. In Challengers, you're going to be making up a deck of cards that might have different values and different effects, like the cat or the gangster. And you will be playing a game of Capture the Flag, tournament style, on different boards. You'll both get to add cards to your decks, and then you'll go up against each other, and whoever has the value takes the flag. The next person will keep flipping over cards from the top of the deck until they can beat that card and take the flag back. But whoever runs out of their deck first, whoever has the flag wins. It's a simple, quick game that is very luck-filled, and I think that's why some people just don't like the game. But for us, we really like our family games to be something that brings in a rule set that some people already know. Oh, you already know this game, so I can be very quick in the rules explanation for this game. And its lightness and its silliness make it a good family game recommendation this holiday season. Next, let's go to our party game recommendations, and any fan of our channel probably can guess what our party game import recommendation is going to be. Ito, a game that mixes together the mind and wavelength, and we've been so excited to hear that other content creators have been getting and enjoying lately. Ito is a game in which each player will be secretly given a card between 1 and 100 that only they know the value of. You will then choose a category as a team, something like most popular toy, and then you will take a look at your card. The higher the value of your card, then the more popular in this category example, and the lower value card will be less popular. You will then give a hint to the rest of your group, this is a cooperative game, so that people know where your card is, especially in relation to their card. So if you have something like a 99, you might say Barbie. And if you have something like a two, you might say the French guillotine. You will then work as a team to put everybody's cards down on the table in order from lowest to highest. Once you think you have it finalized, you will then reveal. And if you're right, you win. If you lose, you lose a life. 
There are now a few different versions of Ito with some different art or some different rule sets, but basically that's the standard rule set for Ito. There's hardly been a game in the past couple years in which we've had more laughs and lively conversation afterwards than Ito. There's a reason that content creators were so excited to get their hands on Ito, especially with the English version coming out at Essen. But I think for this holiday season, the one you're most likely going to be able to get your hands on is the Japanese version, but please don't worry about it. The text is so large and so easy to read that Google Translate has no problem when you hold the camera up over it and translating it. And because they're not that hard of prompts, it won't get lost in translation. For a game that we've played so many times at such a low price point, we can't recommend Ito enough. Moving on to our not import selection, this is again a divisive one, but we do find that the holiday season is a great opportunity to buy people games that they might have been scared to buy themselves, because while some people absolutely love the game, some people really stay away from it. And this one is really important to know your group. But our non import recommendation is the game Stay Cool. Stay Cool is a stress filled chaotic fest of a party game in which one player will have to simultaneously answer trivia questions, spell stuff out on a table with dice, and watch a timer because if the timer runs out, then they have to stop. So they're watching that timer and be like, okay, flip over the timer. Okay, I'm also going to spell this thing out and what, what somebody is telling me something else over here. There's a lot going on. But the thing that we like about this game is that it is fun no matter where you are in relation to the person doing it, whether you're the person actually playing the game at the moment that is doing all this chaotic stuff, whether you're the person reading the questions, whether you're the person in charge making sure the timer doesn't go all the way down, or actually just standing back and watching. And that is one of the reasons that we do tend to like to bring this game to holiday parties, because if people want to play, if people want to try it out and see how they do, see if they can beat their friend's high score, then go for it. But if you just want to kind of stand back and laugh at people and see how stressful they are, also a good time. Stay Cool for us is just at the perfect price point where I think you can give it a try, see if it's for you, and if it's not, then it wasn't too expensive to begin with. But also, it just creates an atmosphere that we haven't seen anywhere else and is absolutely worth a recommendation. Next, let's move on to the casual game category, and our import recommendation is Gang of Dice. Gang of Dice is a push-your-luck dice game in which each round has a category, something that might say more than a sum of 10, and you don't want to hit that. You can roll as many dice as you want, and in some rounds you're allowed to re-roll, and some rounds you aren't, as long as you don't meet that condition. Because if you meet that condition, then you are eliminated from that round. The person who rolled the highest value without meeting the condition wins everybody's dice around the table, but the thing that makes this oh so agonizing and wants to get you to try to push your luck a little bit is two things. The first thing is that if people rolled the same value of the dice, whoever rolled the most amount of dice wins. The other thing is that if the people rolled the same value and the same amount of dice, then the person that went earlier wins, which means that if you think that, okay, they rolled a nine with three dice, am I gonna try to roll nine with four dice? Can I really do that? You might just have to, especially once it gets towards the end of the game in which you also win bonus dice that could completely change the game around. It is a really simple, fun, push your luck game that we've had luck with for people of all ages. A theme for games that we've put on this holiday gift guide. Our non-import recommendation for casual game is the follow-up to Point Salad called Point City. Now it's really hard not to compare those two games, but Point City is basically if Point Salad and Splendor had a baby. Point Salad being a game in which you can take ingredients from a board and also select 
point scoring cards that allow you to score those ingredients in certain ways that other people cannot. Point City takes that formula, but then adds an engine building formula to it. You're going to be taking resources from a similar looking grid as in Point Salad, but there will also be buildings in which you need to use some of those ingredients or resources to build. Buildings will be worth things like points, but they can also be used as resources to be used in future turns that don't run out. So maybe I grab building A, and building A is an orange resource. So now I permanently have one orange resource in my tableau that I can use to purchase other stuff. Point Salad is definitely the more casual, I want to get people into gaming that have never played board games before type of game. But if you at all have people that have played board games before, even if it's something like a Scrabble or Monopoly, and are kind of wanting to get them into what the modern board gaming scene is, I actually think Point City is the better game. But I don't think you can go wrong with either one. We really pleasantly surprised the first time we played Point Salad, and I was even more pleasantly surprised the first time that we played Point City, as it took that easy-to-learn, straightforward rule set from Point Salad and evolved it into a game that I can bring to board game night with not only my family, but with my board gaming buddies as well as a nice warm-up or cool-down game. And that is why we recommend Point City. Finally, the last category of the day. I don't really know what category to really name it. Is it a strategy? Is it a more main entree style of game? But mm, I don't know. I'll probably figure it out as we go through the series. But we have two of them, and they actually both end up being card games. Now, our import recommendation is Sashi and Sashi's Wind the Film, which you might actually see in your board game shop as Photograph. This is a hand management game in which before really Scout burst onto the scene was probably my favorite example of a game in which you cannot reorganize your hand. With the theme of taking a picture on an old timey camera, you'll be taking cards from the table in which you can kind of glean a little bit of information from the backs of the cards, putting them somewhere into your hand. Now you can do a little bit of sliding of the cards, just a little bit, but really what you want to be doing is playing sets of cards that are no more than three value apart. Getting this down into a 30 second blurb is really difficult to do and probably doesn't do it justice. So I do recommend probably more than any other game we're going to recommend today, going and watching a review video from another content creator. There's a bunch of them out there now that there is an easily accessible version and photograph. And seeing if this game is for you, it's a little bit more brain burning than you would expect it. And probably one of, if not the heaviest Sashi and Sashi games that have come out so far. But if you're looking for a lot of game in a tiny package, a game that comes at a low price point but will have a lot of plays with it, then I would look no further than Wind the Film. And speaking of game that offers a lot of games in a tiny package, let's go to our final game of the day, the non-import recommendation for our main entree game, Innovation. Innovation is my most played game of 2023, and with good reason. This game is a civilization-themed game in which you'll be working towards the ages, trying to get six achievements before your opponent does. These achievements can be done by doing certain actions, or having certain conditions on your turn, or having a certain amount of points on your turn. But really, the attraction to this game are the cards themselves, and the actions and powers that they have because on your first couple plays, you'll see some cards and be like, how is that even fair? That seems to break the game entirely. And then you'll spend the next couple games trying to figure out how to counter that. And then you'll find other cards that seem like, wait a second, this card also seems like it breaks the game. I don't know how we're gonna counter that. And then you'll try to do that for another couple games. And all along, you'll have cards that just seem useless that suddenly 
have a very clear reason for existing. Oh my goodness, I cannot tell you how many different people I have played innovation with this year, and it seems like I'm almost playing a different game with each one of them. They have different styles of playing this game. They have different combos that they like. Now, this game also has expansions with it, but you don't even need them. You could go an entire year of playing nothing but the base game like I have. I've logged a couple hundred plays of this this year, and I'm still coming back for more. Part two is games that are between $25 and $50. Let's start out with our two-player recommendation, and our import recommendation is Take the Acord 2nd Edition, and the 2nd Edition is the very important part of this because the 2nd Edition adds a two-player variant. Take the Acord is a jazz-themed trick-taking game that'll have you changing the values of the cards in your hands, making some tricks worth more than others, and also trying to be very careful of how many tricks you're going to win, because if you win too many, you'll lose points, and if you don't win enough, you'll also lose points. So it's all about being a valuable member of the band without being an overbearing or non-contributing one. I was so surprised by a couple of things with this game. A, of how they could make a theme work so well for a trick-taking game, a genre not exactly known for its themes, and also how they could make a game that was mostly known as a four-player trick-taking game into a two-player variant that actually works really well. In fact, it is a game that you can buy for the purpose of two-player trick-taking, but you can then bring it and play it as a four-player, and both options work phenomenally well. We've really enjoyed our time with Take the Acorn 2nd Edition, and we hope that you will too. Our non-import recommendation for two-player games is Caper Europe. Caper Europe will have you running a group of thieves, both needing to hire thieves and get gear cards and put them to different locations to steal some goodies. There aren't many rules for it, but there is a lot of replayability thanks to the variety of gear cards and the variety of locations that you'll be playing it at that change the rules just a little bit. And the tug-of-war aspect of it makes it so easy to just replay around because, oh, my opponent beat me in this way this game, I want to try to beat them that way in the next game. It actually ended up topping our top 10 two-player games of all time, and we are still enjoying it thanks to its easy-to-learn rule set, its fantastic production, and its immense replayability. Next, let's move on to our family game recommendations, and our import recommendation is Rainforest City. Rainforest City has you building up a habitat and a food chain that represents Singapore's rainforest. But the inspiration behind the game and the theme of the game is all about conservation. So while you're building houses, you don't want to build it too close to the animals that are living there or else you're going to lose points. Not only do the mechanics lend itself to a surprisingly strategic game for something in this weight class, but the real life aspect of it, and it includes a photograph book in the game that shows you the real animals that are living in this rainforest city, making this a great learning experience as well. In fact, when I was done playing this, I went and researched a lot about it. For people that are looking for a game that give you a fun aspect to it, but also a learning aspect to it, Rainforest City is a good recommendation. Our non-import recommendation is Dog Park. And as its name suggests, this is definitely going to be a fan for people who love dogs out there. Dog Park will have you be running a dog walking business in which you'll be acquiring different dogs that you'll be walking, going ahead and walking them, and trying to increase your reputation. Thanks to the variety of mechanics that are here and the variety of dogs, not even to mention that there's a bunch of expansions that'll even increase this even more. This game is endlessly replayable, and we have found it coming to our table quite a bit. 
This game has often been compared to Wingspan. I don't know if that's exactly fair, but it's definitely in the same weight class of it. So if you have gamers that are really interested in Wingspan and you know that they'll love dogs, then Dog Park is definitely one to look at. And I mean, the art of this game is lovely. So that's always a definite plus. Next up, let's go to our party game recommendations. And our party game recommendation for import is Catch Sketch and its expansion Magic Hat, which we do feel like is an essential expansion, which combined puts it in this video's price range. Catch Sketch is a drawing game in which one player, like Headbands, will put a card that has a word up on their forehead so that they cannot see it, but everybody else can't. Everybody else will work to draw that as quick as possible because once they're done, they'll be able to grab a scoring chip from the middle. And most likely, if you're going to finish it first, you're going to grab the highest point value chip. Once everybody is done, the person with the card on their head will guess in order from the highest point chip to the lowest one. If they get it right, then both players get that many points. But if they get it wrong, then they have to move to the next person who had the lower point total and then they keep going until it's over. What the Magic Hat expansion does is it puts the drawing boards into quadrants. So people are drawing in four quadrants. But the first thing that'll do is that somebody, instead of taking a point token, will take the Magic Hat token. And what they will do is they will shout a number, either one, two, three, or four, and everybody has to first erase any part of their picture that is in that quadrant. It leads to a lot more laughs and it leads to a lot longer game. We found that Catch Sketch, while being really fun, was over way too quickly, especially if you had good artists. Whereas Magic Hat is so much more a game that you can say it doesn't matter how good you are because <laughs> part of your picture is gonna be erased anyway. And you get a lot of funny pictures that are definitely three quarters done or you get the groans when the magic hat person erased the most important part of other people's picture. We've had a lot of fun with this one and look out for our full review of this game coming soon. Our non-import recommendation for Party Game is Dungeon Fighter, and I don't wanna give you too much of what's going on here because the absolute silliness of this game is something that I just want you to experience for yourself. But Dungeon Fighter is a dungeon crawly style of party game, something that I didn't really think that I would like very much. But you were going to be rolling dice in different ways and having to get it onto a target. But different monsters need you to do different things, like rolling the dice in different ways. Overall, this game has led to just so many moments in which you don't think you're going to be able to do something, but you pull off an incredible shot. And because it's a cooperative game, you can all enjoy those great shots while also looking at each other like, how on earth are we going to pull this off? Dungeon Fighter is an experience unlike any other game out there, and I recommend it if you're looking for a new party game to bring to your friends. Next up, we have our casual game category, and our import recommendation is My Best Chef. My Best Chef is a lightweight engine building game that has you running a restaurant, hiring different employees that have different skills and effects so that you can run the most efficient restaurant. The name of the game is all about engine building, and on your turn, you can only do one of five actions. But the more employees you hire, the more you can turn that one action into almost all five of the actions in and of itself, or repeating actions, making your restaurant, as I said, more efficient. It is kind of a race aspect because as soon as somebody hires their 12th employee, the game is over. So hopefully you hired enough employees to get points. Hopefully you got those end game goals completed and hopefully you didn't leave behind too much garbage. 
Our non-import recommendation actually caught me by surprise that I would put it on this list, but we really have enjoyed it. And that is Sniper Elite, the board game. Now, hold on. I am not that big of a fan of the video game either. It's a little bit overly gory for what I'm usually into, but the board game is a very smart and easy to learn game that is all about hidden movement. One player will play as the titular sniper while everybody else is trying to capture the sniper, and everybody has very tough decisions that they're making throughout the game. As the sniper is trying to reach their objective, they'll have to make important decisions like how fast to move, because they don't want to move too fast that they're going to get caught and make noise, making it easier for the other players to catch them. But they also don't want to move too slow because they have to reach their objective by a certain time. So they might have to shoot down the other players, but then that makes noise and also gives away their location. So everybody is trying to just move smartly. This game absolutely blew us out of the water of what we were expecting. And it's not just us. Other channels like Actual Lol and So Very Wrong About Games have both praised this game a lot, and we can now see why. If you're at all interested in movement games, I would give this one a look, even if it's not a theme you would normally enjoy. Finally, our last category of the day is the strategy category, and our import recommendation is the new Rumble Nation Deluxe Edition, which based on where you're looking, you might see it as able to order or able to pre-order. And that's because it is brand spanking new. Rumble Nation is a game that's been out of print for a while in which you are going to be doing area control. This game can basically be described as slingshot the game because in the first phase of the game, you're going to be putting your troops all over the map based on the dice that you roll and the powers that you choose to use. That's the first phase in which you're pulling back that slingshot. But in the second phase of the game, you're going to be letting it go and seeing how everything went. In each area of the map, there is a number and you'll be going from lowest to highest seeing who has more troops in that area. Whoever has more troops in that area will get to put reinforcements in all of the adjacent spaces around that area. What this means is that you might win the area that has the two on it, and that's only worth two points, but then you get to put all of the troops in every spot around the two area, and one of those spots was the 11 spot. And now, all of a sudden, the person who thought they were going to win the 11 spot and get 11 points is now losing because they didn't invest in any of the areas around that sacred spot. Rumulation is a game that takes only 20 minutes, but has all of the same feelings of a game that take much longer. And I'm glad that this out of print game that I was hoping more people would get to experience can finally experience it and with a much better production. Our final game of the day is our non-import recommendation for strategy game, and it is Amun Ray 20th edition. It was hard not to put a game like Raw on here, which is generally considered a better Reiner Knizia auction game, but I don't think Amun Ray has gotten the due that it deserves. Stop me when you've heard this before, but Amun Ray will have you doing auctions in order to win different parts of the map, and the different parts of the map will have different effects on them. But Amun Ray does a couple things that are really smart, and one of which being that you're not only bidding on effects, but you're bidding on maybe some bricks so that you can build some pyramids and get some points that way. But not only that, but you're actually playing the game really twice and keeping some of the stuff from the first round into the second round while getting rid of others. And this makes it so that you can actually learn it really well from the very first game. It gives you a chance from the very first game to kind of feel your way around the board. What spots do I want? How do I do different things? How do I make sure that I'm not going to bankrupt myself? And then once the person announces, all right, the first round is over. Now we're starting it up again in the second round. You're like, oh no, what did I do? Or, oh boy, how can I prevent that person who is definitely winning right now? I want to make sure they don't do as well this round. 
One thing to pay attention to is that this comes with a standard edition and an expanded edition, but you can tell our opinions on the matter because the expanded edition would not belong in this price range video and the standard edition does. Maybe if you're somebody who already knows that they enjoy the game, maybe the expansions are good. And I, I definitely think that they are an enjoyable thing, but I just think the standard edition is totally fine to give as a gift. Our next section is going to be games that are between $51 and $100, which for us is quite a bit of money. If you're new to the board game dojo or just haven't watched many of our videos, that's one of the things that we are really picky about is how much a game costs and if it's worth that amount of money. And our holiday board game gift guide is no different. When we are looking at games to put in this section of our video, we are looking for games that provide an experience unlike something that you can get lower price. These may not be the best games in the world, but they certainly offer something that's going to make for a unique gift that you cannot get for something like $20. And that starts right away with our two-player import recommendation, Zen Tiles. Zen Tiles is a storytelling, almost meditation-style game that you are going to be trying to guess each other's emotions. You'll be picking one of these lovingly crafted Zen style rocks, and each one of them will have an emotion on it. Whichever player is the storyteller will tell about a time or a sentence in which they felt that emotion, but they cannot use that word in their sentence, and the other player will then need to guess that emotion. I really found that this game works really well when you kind of put aside the fact that it's a game and use it as an activity to get to know your partner really well. And it especially works really well if you're playing with somebody who really enjoys doing diaries or bullet journals or things like that because you tend to get to learn their emotions and you can find it very meditative to get out some of those emotions that you have inside of you and that is the point of the game slash activity that this is and that's the reason why we think that it might make a good gift for someone because it is such a lovely production but it's usually a bit more expensive than I want from a game like this but for a gift I think it works really well. Our two-player non-import recommendation is Eon's End Legacy. Eon's End is a very successful board game franchise slash series that works as a boss battler. If you don't know what that is, it means that you will be each round facing up against a giant boss, and in this case, their minions. And you need to A, protect yourself because if you die, then you lose, but you also need to protect your village because if the village dies, well, then you lose. Since it is a legacy game, I don't want to tell that much more than that, but I will tell you that it is a great journey as you watch your hero grow up and grow more powerful, as well as it is replayable after the campaign is over. Eonzen does tend to be more on the difficult side of these legacy games, but if you're looking for a campaign game to play with somebody and experience together, especially if there's somebody who already likes video games, then I cannot recommend Eon's End Legacy enough. Next, let's move on to our family game recommendations, and our import recommendation is Come Sail Away. Come Sail Away is the new big box game from Sashi and Sashi. In fact, it's the biggest box yet. You'll be trying to get passengers to the right room, some of which need three of the same color, or pairs of different colors, or four different colors into them, and some of them give you bonuses to help you out on the luggage track that'll give you additional rooms and bonus points. But you'll also be trying to finish some rooms quicker than others for bonus points, all while trying to maintain a balance because 
If you finish one of these rooms, that room is no longer available and it might mean that you have some disgruntled customers that can't be put where they need to be put and you lose points for that. Overall, it's an easy to teach game that gives you those brain birdie moments while not being overtaxing or causing analysis paralysis, which is something that we really enjoy in family style games. We also love the art and production of this. Sashi and Sashi always do a great job of that. And so if you're looking for a family entry into getting into Sashi and Sashi, then we can't recommend Come Sail Away enough. Our family game non-import recommendation is yet another legacy game. This is the last one, I promise. And it's Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. Clank is, again, another really popular board game franchise, and this is their legacy campaign style game in which you'll be working as a company, Acquisitions Incorporated, which, according to the Dice Tower, is a penny arcade RPG game I don't know anything about. And that's important because you actually don't need to know anything about it to appreciate this game or the humor that's also in this game. Again, since it's legacy, I don't want to give away too much, but you will be working competitively because ultimately you do want a successful company, but you want to be the very best employee in that company, right? Definitely. Again, like Eon's End earlier, you can replay this after you're done. And in fact, Clank Legacy already has expansions out so that you can imbue more character and variety into the game. Next is our party game recommendations, and our import recommendation is Tumblin' Dice, which some of you might not even need to import because there are multiple variations of this game. The standard thing is that this is a wooden board in which you'll be having a dice on the top of the board and then you'll be flicking it downwards. The further down the stairs you go, the more points you get, but the more risk you run of flicking it off the board, in which case you get zero points. Tumblin' Dice is one of those games that when you see it on the table, it's hard not to just want to try it once. Okay, maybe twice, because the first time was just, you know, I'm a little bit rusty, or I don't know, now I, now I get it, now I get it, I'll be good at it. Oh, no, maybe I need a third time. And sometimes that's just what we do. We will leave it at the table or the coffee table and we'll be playing a game over there and we'll have it on the coffee table over here and people will just walk over, give it a flick, give it a try and have it be that. It gets really popular in Japan around the holidays and now the Jelly Jelly Games has their own version of it. We thought it would be worth recommending to you to take a look and see if it's something that you might enjoy this holiday season. Next, our party non-import recommendation is kind of two because we had one and then we found out that some places have it available and some places don't. So if you want a good social deduction game, we do recommend Feed the Kraken, especially the deluxe edition, if you can get it and it's available in your country because it is a great social deduction game in which you're playing pirates. But for most of you, I don't think it's going to be available. So our recommendation is going to be Captain Sonar and any of the expansions that interest you. Captain Sonar is a fantastic team party game in which you'll be playing four on four most of the time or three on three and you'll be playing as submarine teams. Now you'll be trying to sink each other and each player on the team has a different job. Each team will have a captain that'll be directing the ship. Another one will be working the radars. Another one will be listening in to try to hear and intercept the other team's communications. And all the while you're sitting face to face and just going crazy. It is absolute chaos, but absolute fun because you're going to be sitting there trying to balance between trying to defend yourself and trying to make sure the other team doesn't find you with having to go on the attack, figure out when it is that you're ready and you think you know where the other team is and fire the missiles. There's hardly a game out there that with eight players, I prefer than this. And if I can recommend a game for you, if you're going to have six or eight people this holiday season, I really can't recommend Captain Sonar enough. Our next section is the casual game section and our casual import recommendation is Stone Garden. 
Stone Garden continues to be one of the most popular games that people buy when they go to Japan, and with good reason. Stone Garden works on the Virtue system, in which you'll be drawing a tile off the pile to try to recreate your personal famous Zen Garden. You can give it away if you don't like the tile and gain virtue, or you can steal somebody else's tile that they drew but they actually want, but you can just choose to steal it for them by giving away virtue. Overall, it's a game in which you are playing for points, but a lot of time when we play the game, people forego the points and just want to make the most aesthetically pleasing garden. It's rare that a game does that, that the theme is so present and the production so beautiful that people will forego winning just to make the best looking Zen garden. But that's exactly what happens here and is why it gets recommended as a holiday gift guide option. Our non-import recommendation is certainly the opposite emotion of that and it is Detective City of Angels. Detective City of Angels has everyone but one player acting as police officers, solving a variety of cases. The other player will be playing all the witnesses that the police officers will be interrogating that might not be so forthcoming with the, shall we say, most accurate information. With the variety of cases that there is in the box and just the interesting experience that this game offers that is unlike any other detective game out there, we think Detective City of Angels is a phenomenal game to try out at least once. And finally, we are down to our strategy picks for the day, and our import recommendation is Amalfi Renaissance. I know that the theme isn't that fantastic, it's trading in the Mediterranean, and it's also worker placement, another thing that you've seen before. But the interesting hook to this game is that your workers also act as your resources, so you actually have to choose between what is more beneficial to use them as. Amalfi Renaissance also has an absolutely lovely production, which is probably the reason that it falls in this price range. But for the strategy and depth that this game offers, we can't really fault it for that, and we think it is worth the price. Our final recommendation today, the strategy non-import recommendation, is Cosmic Frog, a game that is very hard to describe because you have to describe some set collections, some combat, and some galaxy devouring frogs. Yes, that's a sentence I never thought that I would speak. It's a game that is unlike anything else that I've played. This game is just straight up weird and very hard to describe, but now that it is back in stock and more available, as well as it has the expansion out that adds even more weirdness because clearly that's what this game needed, I think that it is worth taking a look at if your game collection needs a little bit of some funking up. And don't just take our word for it, it was so very wrong about games game of the year a couple years ago, so it has some trusted reviewers saying that this game is pretty darn good, even though it's also pretty darn weird. The next part is we are talking about card games, and this can be a range of things as you'll see in this list. These are 10 great card games we recommend getting for holiday gifts. The first one is not a new one by any means, but it's one we frequently recommend, and that is Dog Tag Trick. Dog Tag Trick is a trick-taking game in which you'll be playing as a dog show. There are multiple different kinds of tricks that you can play in order to win, and those different tricks that you can play on your turn are worth a differing amount of points. Add that strategic choice that you're making every single turn on top of some absolutely adorable art, and you have a game that is not only approachable, but a great introduction to trick-taking. Speaking of trick-taking, our next recommendation is Inside Job, a quite a bit newer of a trick-taking game. Inside Job combines social deduction with trick-taking to give you a truly unique package. All but one player are going to be the agents, while one player is the insider. 
most of the players will be playing a must-follow game in which they are trying to accomplish different missions. For example, maybe the third number in the series needs to be the highest number of any of the cards played on the table. And if you get the mission completed, then you get one of the intel markers. But the insider, A, wants to acquire more of the intel markers because if they get five, then they win. But secondly, they don't actually have to follow at all. Oh, they're playing a may follow game because they definitely want to act like, no, 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 I'm the good guy. You should try getting me some more of that Intel markers. It's a really well done combination of two genres that probably don't belong together, but this one really does work. And I know a lot of people that maybe bounced off of shamans and earlier attempt at this really have enjoyed Inside Job. So even if you didn't like shamans, I recommend you try out Inside Job. And if you haven't tried shamans, I think both are actually quite good games. The next one is another trick taker. I promise not all these are gonna be trick takers, but this one is very unique and it's called Bug Council of Backyardia. This comes from a Japanese publisher called Engro Games and come binds trick-taking with Mancala. At the beginning of the round, you will be betting on who you think is going to be the most powerful army out of all of the bugs, and then you'll be playing a trick-taking game in which one player at the end of each trick will be moving around the different bugs onto the different armies' respective spots. It's an interesting tension as it goes back and forth, as you want to win the trick because you want to be able to score those cards, but you want to lose because you also want to be the one who actually gets to control the Moncala and kind of who is going to be the strongest army. Everyone that I've showed it to has at least been interested enough to try it again and again to see if they can get better at the Moncala system or get better at the trick-taking system. Wait, which system do I want to get better at? both. And if you already have quite a few trick takers in your collection and are looking for something that's going to really spice it up, I really can't recommend Bug Council of Backyardia enough. As I said, not all these are going to be trick takers, and the next one is completely different than that, and that is Votes for Women. Votes for Women is a two-player game in which one player will be controlling the suffragette movement, in which they're trying to get women the right to vote in the United States, and the other one will be playing the opposition. The suffragette movement player wins if they get a certain amount of states to ratify the amendment to get women the right to vote, and the opposition player wins if they don't allow that to happen. Each card has a little bit of history on it and really allows you to learn as you're playing the game. It's a game that if you enjoy Twilight Struggle, I think you will enjoy this one, but it's also a game in which if you didn't enjoy Twilight Struggle or games like it, I've also found that people have enjoyed Votes for Women more than that because there are a little more dice rolls, so there is a little bit of luck that is going on, but the strategy is still present and forward. And I think overall, it is well worth having this kind of game in your collection. The next card-driven game is going to be It's a Wonderful World, a card-drafting game that I actually think is probably my favorite card-drafting game out there, surpassing that of Sushi Go. It's a Wonderful World is an interesting game in which you'll be choosing which cards that you have drafted will start as you, okay, I'm going to make these cards into resources, and or which cards you really just want to develop. By developing cards and putting them into your city, these will in fact build up your engine so that you're going to get better for future rounds. It's a game that rewards drafting and planning and lowers the amount of hate drafting that you're doing because while yes, it is probably a good thing for me to draft a card that I know the person across from me wants, can I really use it 
and is it going to be useful for me? It's a game that I think very successfully allows you to offer the best of what drafting mechanics have to offer. And now with a couple of expansions that even add to it, I think It's a Wonderful World will give you plenty of enjoyment. The next one is called Blood Recall, and it's a bit of a weird one, and it requires quite a bit of paste-ups if you want to be able to play it, but it's gotten so popular over in Japan that it, I would be remiss not to at least mention it here. Blood Recall is a deck building game in which you're actually going to be able to buy new cards based on the damage that you get. So for example, if I were to take two damage, then I have two credits I can use. If I deal nine damage to you, you now have nine credits to use. It's a bit of a strange balance here because you want to reduce your opponent's health to zero. But if I were to do an 11 damage to you and I can't knock you down to zero, well now you have 11 points that you can use to buy really strong cards and bring it back at me. If you don't mind doing some paste ups and work, I think that this game is going to be really the next hotness and I would get it while you can. The next two games we're talking about are games that we've already covered on this channel, but are worth mentioning it here in case you're new to the channel or new to Japanese games in general. The first one is Scout, a game that is a climbing and shedding game, which means that you're going to try to play cards that are higher than the cards already on the table, climb, so that you get rid of all the cards in your hand, shedding. But Scout has the interesting mechanic that you cannot rearrange the cards in your hand. So if I'm dealt a 7-5-7 in my hand, I really want those pair of 7s to be together because that would be a nice pair, but I have to get rid of this 5 first. But I can also scout a card that's on the table, meaning that if the player before me plays something like a pair of 7s, I can steal one of those 7s and put it in my hand anywhere I want. But the key is that they get a point if I scout from them. Scout now has multiple versions, the original Japanese version and an Oink version that has been released internationally and has won quite a few awards as it's made its way across the globe. And for the price that it is, I really do think that it's probably one of the games that I have in my collection that has the highest play per cost ratios because I've probably played it somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 70 times and when it only cost me $15, that's a great value. The other one that is pretty well known to people who have been importing for a while is Nana. And although we don't particularly love the game that much, it has been a hit so far across the globe, so we need to at least mention it here. Nana is a memory game in which you are kind of playing Go Fish, but also playing a bit of memory. There are three different ways for you to win. You can get three sets of different cards, like an 11, uh, 5, and a 1, for example. You can get a pair of sets that either add or subtract into 7, so maybe like an 11 and a 4, because 11 minus 4 equals 7. Or you can get the set of 7s. Nana, for reference, it means 7 in Japanese. There'll be some cards left on the table that anybody can ask for, but if you're going to ask another player for their cards, you can only ask for their highest or their lowest. So the sevens, which end up being the middle, is going to be very hard to get to. It's a very light game and a little bit finicky for us, but a lot of people have enjoyed it, so I wanted to at least recommend it for you. The next game we want to recommend is called Hipparchus. Hipparchus is a two-player kind of trick-taking game. It's a very strange game that we're going to do a full review on soon in which you will have three suits, the Earth, the Moon, and the Sun. There are actually no values on these cards, and like Scout, you cannot rearrange your hand. The value are how many of the same suit you have next to each other. So if I want to play two moons that are next to each other, then that is a two of moons. 
There's a lot of other little rules to explain, but we'll do that in a different video. But we really want to explain the important thing, which is the end game scoring. Both players will take a look at how many of each suit they won. And then whoever got the most of it will be the only one that's allowed to score that. And they will score the amount of points as the number of cards the other people took in that suit. So for example, if I got four suns and my opponent got two suns, I score two points. There aren't a lot of great two-player trick takers out there, but we do believe that this belongs in there. And with it just being a deck of cards, it's readily portable for you to take on a train, on a bus, and on the holidays. Finally, our last game of the day is Pin Combi Trio, and this one might be the lightest one other than Nana on the list today. Pin Combi Trio is a climbing game in which there are three plays, the Pin, which is just a solo card, the Combi, which is a pair of cards, and the Trio, which is a difference cards, in which you, the difference has to be the same. So for example, I can play one, two, three, of course, because that's plus one, plus one, but I could also play a two, four, six, because that's two plus two is four, four plus two is six. Pins, combis, and trios are actually the name of different types of performers in Japanese comedy. And so the art on this one are actually riffs and parodies on famous Japanese comedians. The humorous art and the really approachable rule set has actually made Pin Gomi Trio one of our most played games of the year. And because it's made by such a big publisher, it is not only readily available, but comes at a really affordable price. And now for our final part of our holiday board game gift guide, we are doing 15 stocking stuffers. And because there's 15 instead of 10 in our other videos, and we want to keep these videos kind of short, we are going to go through these rapid fire. So let's not waste any more time, let's begin. The first one to go over is called Mino Dice. Mino Dice is a trick-taking game that includes dice, and each round you're going to have to bid on how many tricks you think you're going to win. And each round, the number of tricks that you're going to play is going to increase. So in round one, you're going to play one trick. In round two, you're going to play two tricks. And if this sounds kind of familiar, you're probably right. It sounds a lot like Skull King. And that's because this game originally was called Skull King the Dice Game. So if you're already a fan of Skull King, then you might just want to pick this one up. The next one to go over is That's Not a Hat. That's Not a Hat is a memory bluffing game that has the theme of gift giving, which isn't a bad gift to give, right? Every player starts with the gift that they brought to the party face up, but slowly and surely as they get passed around, they will be turned upside down. And on that back side, there will be a directional arrow, which means that the player needs to pass it in that direction. They will need to say what the gift was and definitely slowly but surely, everybody's going to forget what exactly gift they have and which one did they receive last round? I have no idea, but that's okay because you can absolutely bluff. If somebody thinks that you're bluffing, they will call you out on it, and whoever is wrong needs to take that card as a penalty point. You'll keep going until somebody takes three penalty points, and then they are eliminated. Whoever has the least amount of penalty points wins. It's a great combination of memory and bluffing, and I've had lots of success with it. The next one is Cross Clues, and this is the first word game we've actually had on any of our videos. Cross Clues is a cooperative game in which you'll be working with a grid, and you will get a card that says a location on the grid. So if you have a card that says A2, and maybe in the A row you see grape, and in the number row you see sandwich, you might say jelly because grape jelly and jelly goes on a sandwich. So then the other players need to guess, oh, that's A2, I think. And if you're right, then you get to put it there. And if you're wrong, then that card is discarded and you don't get to score that point. Add that to the fact that you are going to be timed while doing this and you have to do it before time runs out and you get a chaotically fun word game that you'll just want to keep getting better at. 
The next game to go over is Dracula versus Van Helsing, which is a two-player card game in which one player will be Dracula trying to convert all the villagers into vampires, and the other player will play as Van Helsing, who is trying to get rid of Dracula's health. They will achieve their goal by trying to win in different neighborhoods, and they'll start their turns by drawing a card and then having to discard one of the cards either from the neighborhood or the card they just drew. The problem is, is that the better cards tend to have better powers, like the 7 is the second highest card in the game, but it also allows you to choose the trump suit. So, oh, I kind of want to save the 7 because I think I can win, but at the same time, if I choose the trump, then I can win my other neighborhoods and then I can really do a damage. So there's lots of tantalizing decisions in a very short playing time, and I've really enjoyed playing this quite a bit recently. The next one to go over is Viking Seesaw, which is part of the Fun Brick series that you can actually watch our entire video in which we go over all of them over here. Viking Seesaw is a game that you will play either 1v1 or 2v2. Those are our two favorite configurations of it, in which you'll have a bunch of household items and a teeter-totter in front of you that is shaped like a Viking ship. You'll want to put one of your household items right here on the side that is facing upwards and hopefully not have it tilt down. If you succeed, then great, it's the other player's turn. But if you knock it over and anything else falls out, then you have to take an item from the middle of the ship and any that fell off the ship along the way. You are trying to have the least amount of stuff left at the end of the game. It's a fun, silly little game that we have just kind of left on our table a couple times and watched people play throughout the holiday season, and it is one of our favorite in the Fun Brick series. The next one is definitely not going to be for everybody, but I'm somebody who likes to collect playing cards, so I do recommend getting somebody a deck of Hanafuda cards. Hanafuda cards are traditional Japanese playing cards that were ways to get around the legal system when Japan kept outlawing playing cards. Hanafuda cards are beautifully crafted, working not only as a way to play Japanese traditional games, but also as an art piece. And if you know somebody that's like me that just likes having an array of playing cards, then getting them a deck of Hanafuda cards is probably a good idea. The next one to talk about is Super Skill Pinball in any of its various iterations. Super Skill Pinball is a roll and write, and I think it's actually called Super Skill Pinball for Cade in which you are playing with a pinball machine, comboing and trying to get your high score. They have a bunch of different iterations, including one for Christmas that I think has National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation on it. While it's not the best rolling right out there, I definitely think it's one of the most thematic. And if you know somebody that really likes pinball, I don't think I can think of a better stocking stuffer than this one. The next one to talk about is Circus Flocati, which has like basically a different version based on the country that you're in. I'm a little bit partial to the Japanese version, which is called Summer Treasures. Circus Flocati is a push your luck game in which you're going to be adding cards to the row. You can choose on your turn to take one of the cards and that'll help you score different sets, but you can also choose to add in another card. But if it matches one of the cards that are already on the table, then you get nothing. It's a very simple, quick game that I do recommend if you pick up to play multiple rounds of. And if you're looking for a simple game to play, maybe bring to the family with people who don't really play board games, I think Circus Flocati is an excellent option. Next up, we have Pokemon Dabble. Dabble is also known as Spotted around the world, but the one in Japan that comes with Pokemon is called Pokemon Dabble. The most basic version of the game will have you flipping a card into the middle and trying to be the fastest to find a match between the card on the table there and the card in front of you. And the Pokemon version, of course, is Pokemon. I've used various versions of Dabble for multiple things, either in the English classroom with elementary students to teach them new words, or just with people to teach them that speed games can actually be fun. And you can actually try Dobble online on Board Game Arena if you want to give it a whirl before getting it imported. The next one is a bit of an interesting one, and this is For Northwood. For Northwood is a solo trick-taking game that I actually backed on Kickstarter, I think it was, or GameFound, I can't remember which one it was. 
Either way, having a solo trick-taking game is really rare, and there's lots of replayability that comes into it. For example, you're only going to use half the rulers in the deck every game, so you're going to get different combinations of these throughout your games. There's a campaign booklet that allows you to have different missions and different objectives in your games. This has become one of my favorite solo games to play when I just have a little bit of downtime, and if you're interested in it, I recommend you take a look. The next game to talk about is Vegetable Stock, a very simple game from Taiwan in which kind of is like if Point Salad had stock options. Each round, every player is going to take one of the cards that are on the table, and each card has different vegetables on it, like carrots and eggplants. Whatever card isn't taken that round will move the stock option. So if there's a card that's left over that has two eggplants and a carrot, the eggplant stock will move two spots up, and the carrot will move one spot up. However, what can happen is if it reaches the top of the card and you can't move it up any further, is it actually goes bankrupt, resetting all the way down to the bottom. Once all the cards are taken, you will then count how many of each vegetable you have and multiply that to how where the stock is, and whoever has the most points wins. It's a very quick game, it's a very accessible game, something we've talked a lot about on our holiday gift guide. And I think that maybe it's not going to be people's favorite game ever, but it is a game in which a lot of people are really going to enjoy, and that's why we think it is a good option for the holidays. The next game to talk about is Sea Salt and Paper, a game that is picking up steam as the expansion Extra Salt has just come out. Each round you're going to be drawing cards either from the deck or from the discard piles and deciding whether or not to play matches or sets of them. Some of them allow you to steal cards from the other players, take an extra card from the discard pile, but some of them are also just points. Once you reach a certain amount of points, you can actually call the end of the round, calling either last chance, giving your opponent a chance to actually beat you, or saying immediately stop, in which you still win, but you just get less points for winning. With its tiny box and its cute origami art, I've actually brought this game to multiple places and enjoyed it quite a bit this year, and I hope you think it sounds fun enough to get as a gift. The next one is a really good family trick-taking game, and this one is Gudetama the Tricky Egg Game. Gudetama is an adorable egg character from Japan that is absolutely lazy, and in this game you don't want to win the final trick, because then you get a lot of points, and in this game you do not want points. There's a couple different versions of this, including a holiday version if you're feeling festive, and overall we've had a good amount of luck playing this game with kids and getting them into trick-taking, but even if you're playing with adults, I mean, come on, it's Gudetama. Who doesn't love Gudetama? The next game to talk about is an oink game, and it is called Durian. Durian is a kind of push-your-luck game in which players will each have one card, but they actually can't see their own card. They can only see everybody else's cards that show the inventory of what ingredients they have. Players will then draw a couple of cards, choosing one and putting down the order that they are taking. And you'll keep going until somebody thinks that there are way too many orders and not enough ingredients to cover those orders. And then they'll ring a little bell that comes in the box. If they are right, then the person who just took the order will get in trouble. But if they're wrong, then they will get in trouble instead. The manager's level will keep rising in anger level, causing more severe punishments. This is a really silly game, and having that little bell in the little box is really a nice touch. And we've had a lot of laughter playing this one. Finally, the last game on today's list is Aram. Aram is a new trick-taking game that combines bidding and must not follow. What that means is that at the beginning of the round, you are going to bid on how many tricks you think your team is going to win. And then once the trick actually starts, you must not follow. So if I play a green, you cannot play a green. 
You're trying to get as close to your bid as possible, but if you go over, you get points. It's just if you get exactly your bid, you get tons of points, and you want points because points give you gold nuggets, and if you get two gold nuggets, then your team wins the entire game. We thought that this was a really good combination of Must Not Follow, which we've seen recently well done in Tricky Time Crisis and RM Now, and Bidding, which is one of the things that we like in trick taking, which can be represented by the fact that our very first game in this video is also a bidding trick taker. And that's a that is a very nice callback to the beginning of this video because this is now the end of our holiday gift guide. We hope that you have enjoyed listening to all of our recommendations and that we have been helpful in your gift giving adventures. Stay tuned to the Board Game Dojo. If you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button because we're going to keep going over games as it leads up to the holiday season that we think are going to make good holiday gifts and give it a really good full review of it. Thank you so much for watching this year's holiday gift guide. Arigatou gozaimashita. Until next time, jane.